sometimes when they, they do romanticize the mission field, they're looking for some uh, special event to where an angel's gonna come and speak to them and say, go, where the word of God has already told us to go. And that doesn't necessarily, maybe I'm getting off track, but um, that doesn't necessarily mean that we have to go to another country, but we do need to put the word out there for a lost and dying world. Okay, it's a word of grace. I'm Andy Burak. And I'm Derek Gillespie. Of course, I don't know why we even do that anymore, <laughs> because uh, if people don't know that by now. Hey, thanks for listening um, again this week. I uh, hope you had a good Easter uh, yesterday. Of course, we're recording this before Easter, so um, but we're looking forward to that service. Yes, and, indeed. Uh, by this time, by the time people are listening to this, that service will be over, and uh Thinking back to a year ago when we were off, uh, and I was here preaching, um, but you and everyone else was watching from home. What, mm-hmm. what was that experience like? I mean, for me, I was still in church alone, but I wasn't really watching church. Can you recall well, what yeah, your I feelings were like? It, it, it was strange because, of course, you become accustomed to being in the midst of, of, of other people, uh, and... Um, uh, uh, it, it wasn't quite the same, not so much as far as your teaching or your preaching, but just the idea of having other people around you in the midst of that. I mean, that's, that's kind of what church is all about. Mm-hmm. I was talking to uh, somebody else who wondered if it was now easier for people who kind of like being in their pajamas and having mm-hmm. their coffee um, but we've not seen that at our church. No. In fact, no. Uh, man, we've probably we've doubled in size <laughs> since last year. Yes, we have. Praise God for when that. You're, when you're small, doubling yeah. is is. But still, we're, yeah, we're thankful and thankful that you're listening. And uh, we know that there's people uh, listening because it tells us uh, on my little app how many are listening. It doesn't tell me who, but um, we're thankful. And uh, we're continuing this week with uh, the life of Jim Elliott. Um, and again, not just, we, we are reviewing his life, Derek, but we are hoping to, uh, focus on different truths that mm-hmm. we can apply to our lives. Um, and we're moving into this last week was primarily his, his upbringing. And, um, this is more of a time of preparation. Um, we'll talk a little bit about his college days, but then moving into, uh, this period of time between college and Ecuador where yes. he's trying to discern God's mm-hmm. will. Um, and we're really trying to focus on a couple of themes in this period of his life. Um, and the one I want to focus on today is is really a, a twofold uh, focus. Is first uh, his, his desire to take the gospel to unreached people. Mm-hmm. And then the second is... Uh, his feelings on the return of Christ and living in light of the return of Christ. Uh, we'll see if we can cover both those things. Okay. What? What? First of all, before we talk about him, let's talk about this idea of. And, and again, we we both don't like these kind of catchy phrases, but like a heart for the mission field or right. or desire to reach the lost. Um, he, have you 
what what would be your take on the 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 modern day Christian, the modern day churches? Um, zeal for missions. Have you seen a, a waning or, or maybe I'm, maybe it's still going great? What's, what's your I take on I would say it? there is an absolute waning. I, I, I got saved in the early 70s. And at that time, going on the mission field was, was, was the quintessential thing. Mm-hmm. To whereas now, it almost seems as though people don't mind collecting money to send other people, but they don't want to go themselves. And that doesn't mean that the, it has to be some far-flung uh, mission field. It can be some here, somewhere right here in the United States to where people need to be evangelized. And I think people don't mind putting money behind it, but they don't want to put themselves in it yeah. uh, or their heart into it. So right. I think that there has definitely been a, a, a decline in terms of, of, of um, missions. Yeah. Maybe there's some reasons for that that we can talk about. Uh, I always loved, when I grew up at First Baptist of Romeo, when a, when a missionary would come and there'd be slides. Mm-hmm. And slides, that's mm-hmm. what they had. <laughs> and the curtains would close. It'd You're be a Sunday night. Yourself. Yeah. <laughs> and we'd see the pictures and... I don't know if it was something that was kind of, and you know how I'm using this word, something romantic about like the mission field mm-hmm. or something that was that was just. I always enjoyed that, and even even as a pastor uh, in Lapeer, when missionaries would come in and then they're showing videos, so technology is advancing. I'd always feel like, man, there that is just such a great field, and I don't mm-hmm. know if I was emotionally moved, and maybe people are emotionally moved by things, but they're not volitionally moved. Right. They don't want to. Mm-hmm. And that that's probably true of me. Um, do you think? Do you think part of it is because America is really becoming more of a mission field? And when you think about Jim Elliot in the 1950s, America was a very, at least a moral mm-hmm. nation more than they mm-hmm. are now. At least that's the perception. Maybe that's really not true. But that deep dark Africa or you know the Pacific Islands, uh, unreached people groups like that. America is almost now becoming an unchristian nation, and, and so the zeal for foreign missions isn't as great? Maybe I'm wrong about that. Well, no, I would agree with you on that, and I also think that the Great Commission has been eclipsed by prosperity. Uh, if you turn on TV and listen to most preachers, they're not, talk, they're not preaching about souls. They're not preaching about holiness and about righteousness and about uh, the ultimate judgment and standing before a holy God. They're talking about what God can do for you here and now, that God has become your cosmic genie or Santa Claus. And so as a result of that, uh, the Great Commission has taken a back seat. Even within this country, you know, we our own neighbors might be lost, and yet we don't feel compelled to go and talk to them. So if we're not going to talk to them, why would we bother going to some faraway place to talk to primitive people? Saying that, bringing thank you for bringing us to that point, because even in, in the book, Jim Elliott mentions that after he graduates college, he has quite a few opportunities. Mm-hmm. He's going to... Christian schools to speak. He's mm-hmm. going to jail to speak. He's um, he started a radio ministry with mm-hmm. his friend Ed, who also was killed in Ecuador with him preaching, and um, 
he even mentioned at one point about the training ground of taking the gospel to yes. people in his own town. Mm-hmm. And I think he said something super similar to what you just said. What, mm-hmm. you know, if I'm not going to share with my neighbors, right. why get on a plane and travel, you know, to do it there? Why do you think, or maybe, again, I don't mean to, what, let's look at it from a positive standpoint then. What could we do, or what should people be doing to cultivate a greater heart for the lost? Because well, the heart, our heart for the lost is cer- certainly marked this mm-hmm. man. Right, mm-hmm. I mean, there's there's no question about mm-hmm. that. What what can what can we as Christians do to develop a greater heart for the lost? Because I don't want to be so like judgmental, like nobody cares about the lost. Right, I think I it is just a, it is just a <clears throat> something we maybe don't think about enough. And probably people who are listening to us want to sure. have a greater sure. heart for the lost. Sure. What can we do? Okay, well, the first place has to be. Okay, if we have these uh, hearts that are fertile, we need to plant the seed, and that seed can only come from the Word of God. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, that the, the seed of the Word of God is planted, and we pray in the power of the Holy Spirit that that seed would germinate and ultimately become that desire to want to reach out to the lost. I'm, I was reading... Uh, in his book, uh, in uh, uh, Elizabeth's book about her husband, and uh, it was regarding the mission field where <clears throat> uh, I'm going to uh, find out exactly where it was. He said, "We don't need a call; we need a kick in the pants." Mm. And I, I, I understand. Ex- I think I understand what he's saying here is that everyone is. I think sometimes when they they do romanticize the mission field, they're looking for some uh, special event to where an angel's going to come and speak to them and say, go, where the word of God has already told us to go. And that doesn't necessarily, maybe I'm getting off track, but um, that doesn't necessarily mean that we have to go to another country, but we do need to put the word out there for a lost and dying world. And and the, the, the fields are ripe are white on the harvest right now because just look at our country. You know, uh, their wickedness abounds, and it's because men need salvation. And if the church doesn't take salvation to those people, then how is it going to occur? Yeah. Part of his uh, upbringing uh, by his parents prepared him to desire the mission field. And then ironically, when he wanted to go to Ecuador, his parents and even other relations and Mm -hmm. friends saw that he had a giftedness for speaking to young people Mm -hmm. and for uh, preaching and mentioned to him, hey, you know, there's a need here. Right. And he he recoiled at that because he he felt the call to Ecuador Mm -hmm. very early. Uh, he was he was discerning the Lord's will in the section that we read here, but he even mentioned, uh, "I wish I could write it in the way he does, or say it rather in the way he does." But rather than find the place in the book where he says it, it was something along these lines where he said, "Hey, note nothing can tie me down, and the Lord did not eliminate from those equations even the ties of family." Mm, mm. And I think he's thinking about if anyone wants to come after me, he must, uh, you know, deny himself and hate. Mother, right. father, brother, mm-hmm. sister—more than me, which of course mm-hmm. me, does not mean to hate, but to 
to not let anything hold you back right. from and so so i think just the the uh distractions of our daily life cause sure. us to sure. forget about the lost something that he said uh let me get your reaction to this uh, in a prayer in one of his journals, he says, Father, let me not be dissipated with non-essentials. Mm. Mm-hmm. And then he speaks of the quiet, he speaks of quietness and the devil monopolizing on these three elements, noise, hurry, and crowds. Mm. What's your response to that? Wow. Uh, I, I think that noise, hurry, and crowds perfectly characterizes the culture and society that we live in. And as a result of that, we have so many distractions. We have distractions within our own home. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, we have uh, uh, distractions in the society in which we live in. And so as a result of that, uh, we fail to prioritize. And God doesn't become the priority. Uh, The loss don't become the priority. And maybe we don't do it intentionally because so many things call upon our attention, you know, that we have to give attention to, that we are distracted. And this is the very thing that he was praying that uh, should not happen in his life. Yeah. Is, it, is, it just, is it just reminding ourselves of the temporal mm-hmm. nature of our lives? Is that an important part of it? To. I say this quite a bit, like when I'm teaching in Sunday school, but I say it not only for the people, but I say it for myself. We have to develop an eternal perspective. And I just want to take a step back and read sure. another prayer that he had as a result, uh, as related to his zeal for what he wanted to do and the fact that he wanted to be totally consumed by God. Okay. He says, I pray thee, light these idle sticks of my life, And may I burn up for thee, consume my life, my God, for it is is thine. I seek not a long life, but a full one like you, Lord Jesus. That really uh, uh, made an impression upon me because it made me think that he didn't even realize that he was prophesying the fact that his life would not be long, but it would indeed be full because he would live to the full measure as much as he humanly could to do the will of God. Yeah, it, the, it's, it's amazing how often he mentions his own life as right. not, not meaning nothing, but, mm-hmm. but uh, the, the important thing was that he was, he was giving it to the Lord. Um, I was thinking about you know noise, hurry, crowds, distractions, and things. I mean, if that was true in the 1940s, the late 1940s, wow. yeah. we are so distracted by mm-hmm. we don't we don't have time for like personal conversations right. or right. or dwelling upon you know and even the church life is so busy mm-hmm. that that we neglect you know and and talking about the temporal nature of this life is so. I, I always used to. Um, I used to say it to teenagers this way, you know, you're going to wake up one day and be 85 years old. Yes, yes. I mean, the, yes. the life, you know, I always, talk, I always like to talk to people and say, well, how old do you feel in your mind, right? How old do you feel in your mind? When, when you think about how old you are, like, I, and I, I know that's a weird, I don't mean it to sound strange, but I, like, I always feel like I'm still 25, 30 years old. Like, well, you, 
Is that the way you feel? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I think a lot of times uh, old age gets a bad rap in the sense that uh, you think that, well, they're old and so, they're, they, you know, the, the pistons aren't firing the way they used to, so they can't be thinking about a whole lot. Uh, and, and that's just not the truth. I'm 67 years old, and in my my, my body, I feel 100. Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> I do. But in my mind, I feel as though I'm 30 years old. Yeah. And, and the realization that your life just passes so quickly yes, is another does. motivation for yes, us to does. get out and reach the lost. Mm -hmm. Five minutes or so, Derek. So let me bring up this subject, too, because I want to... I want to come back to, on Wednesday, to some different subjects. One of the things he mentioned, a lot of times, this is just in, in passing, then I'll move on mm -hmm. to a different subject, but believers can often develop a, a judgmental spirit towards the lost. Absolutely. Have you seen that? Uh, oh, we've seen it in our own church. Yeah. The idea that somehow, because we have found Christ, right. that gives us the right, mm -hmm. I mean, and and it is usually certain sins that mm -hmm. are harped on, and I fall into that trap from time to time. But I I want to, from his life, glean this: that God point out the sins in my own life. As a Christian, I ought to know better. Mm -hmm. Whereas an unbeliever who is apart from Christ, I mean, what, what would we expect? How would we expect them exactly. to live? What are you jotting I, you down know, there? I, I, I think of this all the time when I, uh, and, and again, we've seen judgment, uh, ju being judgmental uh, occur in our church to where it's, it's like a them versus us type of mentality. Yes. Yes. And we fail to realize that the standard is not them or us. The standard is God. And when we look at God as being the standard, none of us measure up. And then you said something about, well, uh, we act a certain way because we found the Lord. And I know exactly what you meant by saying that. But the reality is you didn't find the yeah. Lord. He found you. So therefore, at one time, you were just like those same people that you're judging. Uh, an unbeliever is living the appropriate life for him at the moment. It's not the right life, but he's living according to the dictates of his sinful nature. Mm -hmm. Now, we still have some believers who are living according to the dictates of their sinful nature. You may even find some unsaved people who lived uh, better lives in a manner of speaking. So none of us can be in a position of judgment because we don't have the equipment to do so. Yeah, the the attitude of a harshness or the demeanor of a of a not a snobbiness but of a self righteousness that mm -hmm. comes across has got to be so. Uh, distasteful to an unbeliever. Right. Like, it's been so long since I've been in the position of an, of an unbeliever and have mm -hmm. never been in that position as an adult. And we've been around people, and we've noticed that, that it, and, and, and that hardness of spirit results in, okay, I don't have any relationships with any unbelievers right. because I don't want to be tainted by right. their right. disgusting lives. Mm -hmm. And so then you have no opportunities to share the gospel, mm -hmm. and you live in this kind of self-righteous world, which is not the example of our right. Lord, right. who took the same type of uh, scorn from the religious people of that day. Mm -hmm. How dare you eat with right. these unrighteous people? Well, Jim Elliott says about that, you know, recognizing the life of an unbeliever, he, he says, 
um, the only thing that m- makes me different mm. is grace. Amen. And, that. and that's the that's, that's the spirit that's we the need truth. to have. I think our I think speaking the truth in love. A lot of a lot of believers like to speak the truth, but don't have a lot of love that's behind right, that, and right. they come across as harsh and demanding and judgmental. And that doesn't. That's not a winsome mm-hmm. spirit. For not the at lost. all. Not at all. If you're gonna just uh, share the word of God, and then you beat your victim over the head with your Bible, then first of all, you shot yourself in the foot. Secondly, you have uh, circumvented your own mission. Uh, and on top of that, you probably caused that uh, unbeliever to remain in that state even more because he doesn't want to be like you. Yeah. And so. Not only having a heart for others is important, but also the demeanor that we have. And here's here's the point that Jim Elliott makes about that in his journals, saying, Lord, give me firmness without hardness, mm. steadfastness without dogmatism, love without weakness. Amen. I mean, this guy is 21 years right, old, 22 right, years right. old saying these things. He's still, again, we're in, the, we're in the time period of his life where he's preparing for ministry, but he's saying things that... In our society, Christians, people who've been Christians for years, have not yet come to that right. Uh, right. position. And I want to be in that position. Mm-hmm. I think as we kind of wrap this up, and we're going to go into a different subject, we'll have to save it for next time. I think that should be the application as we look at his life and his heart for others is, first of all, that we need to somehow cultivate that. Right. And I think we do that by mm-hmm. eliminating distractions, thinking about the eternal, um, the eternal more than the temporal. Um, and, and the other things that we've mentioned uh, in today's uh, podcast, but also to have the right spirit towards unbelievers. Right, right. Uh, they are not the enemy, hmm. right? They yeah. are not the enemy. Yeah. Uh, and I think I think we can do better in that way. So uh, that that's the lesson we want to take today. Even even in his preparation. He's wanting to take the gospel. And you know, we don't have to, I mean, I would love if God would call someone from our church to be a missionary, mm-hmm. even a person who has a job right now, uh, a young person or an older person says, man, I'm going to give my life and go to the mission field. That would be wonderful. But let us also be taking the gospel to people that we know. And it's, right. and, and it's not enough to be have a social gospel, just a kindness mm-hmm. and a love for people and mm-hmm. gift giving and they have to be told the truth about their sin and about right. Christ, and this man certainly wasn't ashamed to do Amen. that. Amen. That was the greatest form of love to be to, is to tell the people the truth. That's right. You know. That's right. Well, let's wrap that up for today, and uh, we we hoped to talk about more. We'll save it for next time. Thanks for listening to us, and uh, if we can ever be a help to you, our email is uh, gracebaptistromeo at gmail.com. You can also text us or call us at 586-752-4280. Um, you can let us know if you have a prayer request or some sort of uh, need. We would be happy to hear from you and be an encouragement to you in any way that we can. All right? Lord willing, we'll come back to this subject again on Wednesday and hope to talk to you then.